welcome to another episode of Total Reboot, the only freaking podcast on the internet that just so happens to be about movies, cinema, and all things film. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos, and while Cameron is away at work, I am kicking off a mini-series that I've wanted to do on this podcast for an entire generation. Yes, up to 15 years, I believe, a generation counts. It's what I've always wanted to do because it's something I'm obsessed with. We're kicking off a Cuisine on Screen miniseries all about food in cinema. We're going to be talking about the mise-en-scene of mise-en-plus, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) To use two beautiful French terms that both combine these two topics. Uh, Joining me throughout this miniseries is one of my bestest friends, the Prince of Pasta himself, Mitch Orr. What's up, what's up? How you doing, baby? I'm good, baby. Do you like movies? I love movies. And are you a professional in the kitchen sense? Uh, I work in a kitchen. I don't know how professional (laughs) I am. (laughs) Well, that is why you're the expert here today, and we're excited to have you on board. Alongside one of my other best friends, the guy is the king of the sting. It's Aaron Chen. Hello. Thank you for having me. Good to see you, Mitch and Alexi. I mean, Aaron, you're very shy. I know. I'm a shy guy, kind of nervous type. (laughs) Um, but mise en place, mise, uh, mise en um, scene, I'm going to say mise so hungry. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to be talking about to, on this miniseries is all things food, movies. We're talking about some of the all-time greats in this, I guess, kind of sub-genre that had like a bit of a renaissance, like a genre cycle that kicked off in around the mid-90s that we are kind of still living in today, uh, which is a culture obsessed with hot cuisine as it appears on screen and uh there's a great tradition of food and movies combining in film uh that i really want to kind of dissect with you guys and get into on like why it works so well and why we're drawn to food movies and i think like for me it's a a genre or a type of film that i find a lot of comfort in yeah for sure i love like i love watching movies with food in them both hate watching because a lot mm-hmm. of the time they <laughs> get everything so wrong and but that's sort of the fun of it as well and then there's movies like we've talked about chef before on the pod yeah. and that's so fun and so enjoyable and so almost relaxing in a way to watch what do you think is like the worst on screen on screen <laughs> representation of like professional kitchen uh it's friends friends yeah and monica shit dude yeah. Are you allowed to say that kind of shit about Monica, dude? <laughs> She's never at work. <laughs> literally never. And never. Every kitchen set they have is absolutely horrible. It's like three random benches set up on like as far away as they can be from each other. Mm-hmm. And customers and people just walk back into the kitchen and Monica will be boiling a lobster at one end of the kitchen and then she has to go and plate it at the other end of the kitchen and she's calling out caesar salads <laughs> it's like the most stereotypical things and it's just it's so terrible it kills me so oh you're, you're saying that if friends was realistic monica wouldn't even be in it she'd yeah, be in a much. totally different show with four pirates um of new york city <laughs> i never would have pegged you as a ross fan you love all the ross episodes it you would know seem. what I do, I do enjoy Russ. It's a guilty oh pleasure. A guilty pleasure. I think it's Jesus like Jesus. I think latter day um, swimmer has like charmed mm-hmm. me into it. You know. Wow, um, I've heard of the movie Swim Fan, but never the the movie Swim Fan starring <laughs> Mitchell. <laughs> uh, Aaron, what's your favorite food movie? Oh man, there's so many. I I um, love Tempopo. I think anything that makes you super hungry a chef is awesome i love i love watching um youtube food videos i don't know if that's movies but well it's not officially cinema but webisodes i'm actually trying to make a campaign <laughs> to get webisodes counted as film one day i mean also eddie that chef eddie huang he's doing a movie about basketball so what where does that sit do you know what i mean um uh yeah i guess i do know what you mean so we'll have to wait and see i don't know i wonder if, if that will make the, cook cut. the basketballs it might not make the cut <laughs> chefs directing basketball movies that's my favorite genre <laughs> <laughs> 
I think as well, like for me, like what really draws me to this as a type of genre and type of film is that I think that like food is so evocative and like so taps into your emotions and your memories. And I think it kind of is if you consider food to be an expressionistic art, which I do consider it to be, it kind of is the art form that encapsulates all the senses, which is, you know, taste, feel, smell, vision, and sound. It probably is like the only art form ahead of film to like capture the most of the aspects of like your kind of, of your senses. It's the one that captures them all. And I think it translates so well to film because like if you look at films that like have the setting be in a restaurant or in like the culinary world, it's so evocative of those feelings of like dedication and genius and creativity that like works so well in films about creativity. And beyond that, I think it translates so well to film because film taps into all of those things as well because it's the empathy machine you go into a film and it will send you somewhere or allow you to feel a feeling of something and because of food being like this very evocative thing where you have preparation you have sound you have like the sound of sizzling and crackling when it's cooking and you can also look at it being made in a film it kind of becomes for me the ultimate expression of that and why i think it works so well when it's being translated to film and i think that's why i want to kick things off with one of the great all-time food movies on this mini series which is rather freaking tui the pixar movie ratatouille because there's also something really interesting in it being an animated film do you guys ever get that feeling like when you watch like an animated film that the food like even is more appealing than the real stuff yeah i was just gonna say like often food is the best like if you look at all the studio ghibli films the food in all of those movies is incredible it has that evocative sensory thing to it more so mm. than a lot of the time when it's being filmed live action i just remember like watching the rudo so much as a kid and always wanting to eat ramen and also watching simpsons and that pink donut is like <laughs> The dream food. That pink donut. I would give my entire freaking left nut to eat that pink donut from the Simpsons. But in real life, it kind of sucks, you know, the pink yeah. donut. I would. That's never the first donut you, you go You never for. order a pink donut, no. No, right. it's too craggly. The freaking <laughs> sprinkles suck shit. It tastes like bread. It's like eating a loaf of bread with some pink <laughs> shit on top. I mean, Homer was obsessed with them, but not for me. Not for me. But I think as well, like with like animated films when it comes to like, the food world i kind of feel like it's like this idealism like how you know out there there's an in your mind there's like an ideal version of we'll say a donut in your mind it's the ideal version of it and the real version of it if you're looking at like an actual photograph of it or a real one in your real life it like never lives up to your mind uh but i think with animated i think that's the thing that really why in anime films and in the Pixar films as well, why food really comes alive is because they can actually get to that philosophical idea of like the ideal version of food. And I think Ratatouille, they freaking nail that exactly. Yeah, I can't believe with ones and zeros, they could make such a beautiful dish of food. It's like in the Matrix, dude. You got to go in and try the steak again. It's better than the real shit that they have to eat every day. Yeah, would you rather the steak in Matrix or the um, ratatouille in ratatouille? Shit, dude. Um, I gotta say, I would be. A, I mean, I would give my freaking right nut to share the steak with Joey, Joey Pants, Pants in the Matrix. Dude, come on. I think with the animated, like like you're saying, Alexi, you can really have the perfect color every piece of food even though it's been cooked or it can still be that bright green or red or yellow and that's what even the ratatouille in ratatouille has everything is still popping with color and it looks vibrant and you know and wouldn't necessarily especially like when it's been braised in a sauce in the oven for a while it's not going to have that in real life but when you do it in an animated sense you can keep that ideal intact yeah, I don't know how to do it. Like, when I go to a restaurant and I try to take a photo to show off to my friends, like, the photo always looks so trash. 
It looks like yeah, I'm eating the worst stuff. <laughs> the lighting in mo- the lighting in most restaurants is really shit for taking pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Do you reckon that we should bring a ring light with us to like use whenever <laughs> yeah. we need to take a photo of food, bitch? Is that your suggestion? Well, actually, what some of my um, friends do who are quite into taking food pictures, mm-hmm. um, we won't stereotype them in any way, but. <laughs> But I would relate to them. (laughs) (laughs) Is they go into their notes app and open open a new note (gasps) and turn the brightness way up on that, so it's a clean light, and they use that to illuminate. Oh my gosh! Rather than a flash, because your flash goes off and annoys everybody in the restaurant, and your photos look shit anyway. Use the note app. With a brand new note on the full page, blank screen with the brightness up, and use that fucking hell as as a ring light. This is like the hottest tip. That's the hottest tip yeah, anyone's yeah. ever fucking given on this podcast. That's that's the blogging secret. Do you like when oh people goodness. take photos of your food or indifferent? No, I mean in this day and age, it's the way you get your food out, or your food gets out there and your restaurant gets out there. You know, it's so much more. And something that's interesting to talk about is how much more powerful that is than the critics these days like the critic is almost obsolete now you know it's all about social media reach and people putting pictures of your food or your restaurant and people sharing them and saving them and you know and that's so much more powerful than a written review these days so if ratatouille was today then anton ego would be a instagram page yeah, that's the only way he would have a following. Yeah, he would be broadsheet. He would he would God. be trying to be broadsheet basically. I would love his fucking Instagram page. Yeah. Just him going, "Yes, I'm about to go into my favorite restaurant and I'm going to slather them with a horrible review." <laughs> Do you ever like if someone tags you in like a recipe that they've made of yours and a photo looks shit? <laughs> Do yeah. you share uh, it? Do your I, story? I might be a bit selective about what I read. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it dep- it, if they if they're doing it justice, or if they put a spin on it, or it looks good, then I'll definitely reshare it because it's the same. Like it's that piece mm. of interactivity as well, you know. Like yeah, I've put something up, like especially in, like oh, how we were talking about my recipes on my Instagram. If people are, like interacting with that, then it's good to show that hey, people, you can do this at home, and people are doing it at home, you know. So do you believe that anyone can cook? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's fucking not hard. Like, Even the fucking rat. I'm, I'm not that talented. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I can do it, we can all do it. It's really not that difficult. Well, let's get into our discussion on Ratatouille. Ah, Paris, France. Home of the finest restaurants and the greatest chefs in the world. All my life, I've wanted to be one of them. You may think that's a strange dream for a rat. But I always believe that with hard work and a little luck, it's only a matter of time before I'm discovered. Run! Yes, Do you know what would happen if anyone knew we are the rats in our kitchen? Go! Take it away from here, garbage boy! So Ratatouille from 2007, directed by Brad Bird. We're going to kick things off with a little game that we call... Love that logline! Yeah, baby. I'm going to read you a logline that I found online. And you have to tell me if you, what you rate it, if you love it or if you hate it. This one comes from IMDB, and this is the official IMDB logline for Ratatouille. A rat who can cook makes an unusual alliance with a young kitchen worker at a famous restaurant. <laughs> that's, that's it? <laughs> that's the that's whole it. No detail, it just gives you the bare bones. What do you reckon? Do you love it or hate it? I give it, I give it four stars because I like to undersell and overdeliver. Whoa, Aaron, what are you reckoning? This logline makes it sound like a documentary when really it's an animation that sings. I, th- I give it two and a half stars. Wow, okay. I, here's an alternate one that I found. This is one is from Twitter user Scalympics2020 at Genie is their username. And this is what they say. Ratatouille is basically my personal horror movie. Rat, rat in hair, rat skilled in mind control, and rat better cook than me. Uh, that's five out of five, that is. Yeah. You know, would you believe good. that? Only three likes on that freaking tweet. Five. That's a very good tweet. Who tweeted that? 
Damn it, Genie. Oh, good on you, damn it, Genie. I I was um, reading the Wikipedia entry for this, and there's a sentence Mm -hmm. that says, The title refers to the French dish ratatouille, which is served at the end of the film, and also references the animal type of the main character, a rat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Wikipedia offers some perfect sentences out there, and let's kick things off there, because... That is one of the things that I've always found a little too on the nose about this movie, which otherwise I do think is perfect, that it's called Ratatouille. It's about Remy the Rat, who is a master of the kitchen and a scamperer of the sewer. And he is one who has invented this new Ratatouille-style dish at the end of the movie. But do you think that it's confusing for people to not think that the name of the character is Ratatouille. I think people thought the character's name is Ratatouille since it came out. Yeah, and especially because at the end, the restaurant is called La Ratatouille, and it's mm-hmm. Remy the Rat's restaurant. Exactly. Very confusing. And it's like, call the rat Ratatouille. And then it's like, <laughs> I was named after the dish. And then <laughs> that becomes part of it. Because Remy, it's a beautiful French name, but it's not enough... I think it's confused a lot of kids. They call it. They think his name is Ratatouille, and then they don't know that the dish is also called Ratatouille. I I didn't know the dish. There was a dish called Ratatouille until I watched the movie for the first time last year. I feel yeah. like it's so shoehorned in because I don't feel like Ratatouille is the best dish out there. Like it's not gonna blow your socks off. No, but, but that, that's not the point of it though. The the point of it is that nostalgia <laughs> piece. Yeah. For Anton Ego, that he chooses something simple and elevates it. Because I didn't do the research, but the way Remy prepares it with the mm-hmm. sliced vegetables and lays it out nicely and really pretty and all that, rather than just chopping everything up and cooked, usually it would just be chopped up and cooked all together and braised yeah. kind of thing. Everything would be diced. But for him to slice it and lay it nicely in the pan and then pick it out, you know, and it's really intricate with the sauce around the plate. I think, I don't think it was ever done before the movie. Oh, really? So oh my God. I think gosh. that presentation originates from Ratatouille, the movie. I might be That's wrong. So As crazy. I said, I did absolutely no fucking research about that, <laughs> but I can't recall ever seeing it before this. And now it's become a way of, okay, we're going to do the Ratatouille for a Ratatouille. And so do you think Remy the Rat is a genius because he came up with well, his idea? Who, whoever did the food design, which I also didn't research because I really did no research for this. Um, <laughs> whoever did the food design in the for the movie is really on point. I actually looked it up. I know who did the food design and he is at one of the great top chefs. It is Thomas Keller from the California restaurant French, French Laundry. Laundry. Yeah, wow. so he, he one of the called... Best. He's an absolute whiz. The guy's a whiz in the kitchen, one might say. Mm-hmm. And often people say, a whiz, that belongs in the bathroom. But every <laughs> now and then, a whiz makes its way to the kitchen like the rats from Ratatouille themselves. That, that explains a lot. That explains a lot. And it's, uh, it's called Confit Bialdi, this type of Ratatouille, uh, where it's sliced with the mandolin and laid out very precisely like that. So I used to eat Ratatouille like a fuckload when I was a kid. That's like the, one of the main dishes my mum would make me, like the stew with all the veggies. And um, yeah, I always hated it. Always <laughs> was one of the foods that pissed me off most growing up was Ratatouille. So I didn't actually see this movie in the cinema because I was like, Ratatouille, that sucks. It's about a fucking rat. Rats suck. Mice are cool, but rats suck. I didn't want to watch it. I didn't catch up with it till it came out on the most beautiful format of DVD, Digital Versatile Disc. I worked at the video store. I got the freaking disc. I put it in the player one evening, and I was transported to the streets of Paris. And honey, Paris was gay that night. <laughs> I was absolutely gay for Paris in this moment. I love this movie so much. It instantly became my favorite Pixar movie, I would have to say, because I think that it captures all the things I want from a Pixar movie, which is like a surface level, very functional, nice and emotional uh, character arc that is like a simplistic story for children to enjoy, which is just like a rat is not meant to be in the kitchen. It's probably one of the probably <laughs> top five things yeah. you would not want in your kitchen is a and rat. And it ain't five, four, three, two. <laughs> 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 oh 
But it's like that thing of like, if they had odds with it, it's like, yeah, there's a rat in the kitchen. And guess what? The guy's fucking Patton Oswald, and he's a bloody <laughs> genius. He has quite a sophisticated palate for a disgusting little rodent. And I'm, I'm talking about Patton, not the character in this. <laughs> but, and then, but. That's like the top level, surface level mm-hmm. story. But then if you look deeper into it, it's like a story about creativity. It's a story about art. It's a story about self-expression and like finding oneself and like finding one's reason to exist, you know? And I think it's just so moving and so beautifully executed into like being this film that's about genius and about that creative spark. And I think a lot of it is to do with the performance at the head of it all is like Patton Oswalt. I think it's one of my favorite voice performances in a Pixar film. Yeah, That's crazy. Really? Yeah. What's beautiful about it? Well, of course, the rat is quite gorgeous yeah. with his little thingies. But I think it's, for me, it's Patton Oswalt is very well cast because he is, to me, one of the ultimate nerds as far as like act, like comedy goes. He's a huge nerd acting goes he's a great at playing nerds but in his personal life his persona is being like just a passionate fan of things well it's a genius move because normally when you're casting a rat you'd cast like a club comedian or something like that (laughs) they have gone for alternative comedy yeah if you hear the word rat and comedian i'm going this is david tell probably (laughs) (laughs) this is dice this is a movie for dice you know exactly you don't want him just dicing up the food you want his comedy to be quite dicey as well but i think like it's he captures like that passion of like the way that he talks about food Mm -hmm. and the way that he like like he's got that excited quality that's just so innate to his persona that just like makes it sing so beautifully i think this is a movie for adults really you think it's that exciting it's an adult film i'm learning about like sauciers and stuff like that from this movie (laughs) i know about the structure of the kitchen now i'm like yeah that almost opening 10 minutes of Remy's explaining of who he is and what he loves and going through the, oh, I found this mushroom and this, and then finding his way, you know, the whole comedic scene of the house and the colony and then they, and then Remy finding his way to the kitchen and that whole exposition of who's who in the kitchen and how it works is incredible. And even like the explaining of who Gusto is, with the magazine covers and the celebrity chef kind of thing. It's it's so well done. It's really, really incredible. And it's like it sucked me right in, you know. Like this this I watched it probably last year, I rewatched it, and this rewatch I was really like the what they're doing is so high level. It's so simple, but it's so effective. Everything from, you know, the lulls in the action and the it keeps you coming back to it and keeps your attention and it explains everything to you in such a charming way that you don't feel like a fucking idiot for not knowing what a saucier is you know and stuff like that it's okay aaron and even (laughs) even from going to meeting um what's his what's his name that remy controls i've forgotten it chef linguini yeah linguini of course how could i forget even from linguini being the garbage boy and gusto explaining to remy no He's not just a garbage boy. He's imp- he's one of the- he's as important as anybody else. Mm. He matters, and it's like in a real kitchen. I mean, your kitchen porters are the most important people because they do like without them, the kitchen's not running. Yeah, you know. So to put that into a kids' movie to have make sure that someone even in that l- low position that's seen that way to say no they're equal to everybody else and just as important as everybody else is so well done and did you like that um colette was wearing the clogs yeah like all the stuff like everything is so well stylized and so realistic the clogs the knives the pans the copper beautiful copper pots and pans oh my god those pots the kitchen is incredible the island benches in like it's a dream kitchen it's incredible, and I've, like knowing that Thomas Keller had something to do with it, it's like the best, mm. obviously the best of the best, and it's maybe even modelled off kitchens he's worked in or designed before. But that's why it's at such a high level, and that's why it's such a good food. Movie. Yeah, I thought what was um, unrealistic was when they're cooking the soup, like 
he tastes it and he makes him want to vomit. It's disgusting. But then the rat adds like cumin to it and it's like a perfect dip. <laughs> well, in some ways, Jack, we have to dispend belief. Yeah, because it's about <laughs> just a, a tiny rat. bit, you know, just yeah. just that little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think cumin, a couple of bay leaves, some salt, and some like a couple green of cubes of celeriac that probably aren't cooked yet? No. Do you think that's enough no. to save a soup from being but the most disgusting creation that's, that's put Remy's, on the ground? That's Remy's genius. He can yeah. turn it around. Yeah. I actually got to say, I think that's like the thing that I noticed this time that, you know, I've seen this movie probably a dozen times in my life, but watching again this time today, that my favorite scene in the movie, I've got a couple, but my favorite scene that I hadn't really noticed before is when we are introduced to Remy, that you were hitting on Mitch, was that... I think that this introduces the idea of like being possessed by something so well, like that first time you see like, like and perfectly cinematically, the first time you see Remy discover flavor when he is eating this strawberry in one hand and then he eats a piece of cheese in the other hand and then combines them it's done so beautifully with film like film techniques and the language of cinema because it's like music building coming together like they're two different sounds two different styles of music that michael giacchino the composer has put and then when he combines them they come together and it's something that kind of it's then to each side of him it's kind of animated in a modernist cubist kind of way to evocatively show the feelings of taste as well as orally with the music coming together but this film does it every now and then as well when he's building a dish together the music kind of builds alongside it and Mm. kind of becomes something harmonious i think that is Something that I feel like every other food movie should have fucking stolen hardcore from this movie. Because you don't see that every day. You don't see that amount of detail be put to, I guess, creating like the sense of what taste feels like and the way that taste like brings you in and creates like beautiful emotions. I think it's like all there. And I got to give a shout out to the other great movie of this movie is when Anton Ego eats that ratatouille at the end. To me, that scene is why movies fucking rock, brother. That is why movies fucking rock. When he's transported to his childhood and it it, it perfectly encapsulates like what those feelings of memory are. That is what film is all fucking about because everyone has had that experience of either eating something or seeing something or having that smell of something that will just send you back to like a, a formative moment in your childhood that you might not have ever noticed was something powerful. But it, I mean, it does. Do you guys ever have that feeling of like when you've yeah. come across something that sends you back like that? It's it's a big thing in how definitely how I cook and I think how a lot of people cook is recreating those memories that we have of a time and a place or you know of people we we were with when we ate something or something that you know you ate when you were young and sticks with you all the way through and then you recreate that to take you back and hopefully take other people back there you know like even the bologna sandwich that we used to do at Acme Mm. I've had so many people when they when I see them take their the first time they have it, I've had people tell me, "Holy shit, that took me back to my childhood and this place and my mum and la la la." Like food is mm. like cinema is so powerful, and to have that interplay and that synergy between them executed is really amazing. But Lexi, are you saying that if that if you were ego eating that ratatouille, you would have been taken back to a negative? Place? <laughs> I mean, it might have taken me back to a positive place because I'm like, okay, maybe I'm like, my mom made ah, me. She a loved me. Yeah, she, she put all this effort in. Me. And all it took me to realize it was it had to be made by the tiniest hands in the world <laughs> to take the proper nuances. But I think, I mean, I, you hit me with like the bologna sandwich because I'm, I'll tell you this, this is a little, I've never eaten, I've only eaten Devon once in my life. And Devon is what we call bologna yeah. here in Australia. Is that one for one, I, bologna and Devon? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. I when we I, I have one memory of Devon in my life, which was when we went on school camps. There was like one time we were like on an excursion in Canberra, the freaking capital city, and like the the they just handed out Devon sandwiches, like the bus driver, driver whoever, 
It's like all the little kids come get your little Devon sandwiches and stuff like that. That's what we're all eating. But my mom was like, I don't want you to eat this camp food. <laughs> it's going to be dog shit food. So she supplied me like these like gorgeous little Greek and Mediterranean supplies. <laughs> and so when everyone else was eating these Devon sandwiches, my mom had supplied me a tin of marinated octopus. <laughs> 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 And so I was just eating with this little cocktail so full of like rich marinated That's octopus. So Everyone's like playing handball, eating their Devon sandwiches, but you got spirals going around your head, music <laughs> swelling and stuff. I'm crying. I'm remembering my memories of Greece, the old country. Generations of my ancestors singing through my head doing a Zorba dance. One time I took my sister to a um, restaurant to eat and they had this um, bread and butter but also this soy sauce jelly or something like that like a sweet soy jelly and i was eating it, i was like this is so dope telling her that and then she's eating it and she's like this is just leftover steamed fish that dad used to make like just the jelly in that. <laughs> so she had like there's no sentimentality when we go out to eat it's just <laughs> harsh critic, harsh critic. Yeah. I, w- I wanted to say like like part of that opening section of mm. when we int- we introduced to Remy and they go into the house and the kitchen, a big part of setting up the rest of the movie is establishing that the rats aren't really the bad guys. Yeah. And the the way they do that with the old lady and making her such, like, even like a horror character, she puts the gas mask on mm. and she's trying to gas them and hunt them down and they're making their escape. It's almost like a World War Two movie in a way. Yeah. You know, like, so doing that, Automatic goes, oh, we're on the rat side. And that allows you to go, oh, maybe it's not that gross that this rat's in the kitchen <laughs> with his little paws. And even something like yeah. Remy walking on his hind legs going, I don't want to have to wash my paws all the time. I don't want to spoil the flavors. Yeah, Remy know? the class trader. <laughs> those little things. Yeah, those those little things are so clever mm-hmm. just, to, just to subconsciously make you go, ah. Oh, it's fun he knows what he's doing he's mm-hmm. all over it yeah there's so much of that stuff that like subconsciously like aligns you with the rats in this movie and aligns you with Remy and the thing that really hit me this time that I'd never noticed before was just how this is shot or filmed like what the camera work quote unquote because there are no freaking cameras it's all computers doodads little keyboards and mouses and not just the mice in the movie I'm talking about the mouse connected to the computer there's actually not a single mouse in the movie so yeah rats and mice they're all the same garbage to me okay and I say that as someone that owned a mouse once I had a pet mouse I loved dearly her name was Joyce she's a fat little white mouse and um Joyce is not a normal name for a mouse either. Like Remy is not a normal name for a rat. My name is usually funny, like Mickey, Minnie, Mighty, etc. But I didn't name it. It was my stepbrother's friend's mouse, and they named it Joyce after another one of my stepbrother's friend's mums. I think it was a milf joke or something. So I inherited this mouse that I believe was was like brought to life as a milf joke to and make fun of did, one of their other friends. Did the mouse have like milf s characteristics or? Oh, honey, she was a mix. She was an absolute mix, Joyce. She was an absolute mix. Uh, Joyce, uh, a... mouse, I'd love to feed. <laughs> <laughs> she loved her food, Joyce. She was quite fat. She looked like a little tennis ball. She really was <laughs> really quite fat, but I loved her. Um, but um, w- the way that this film aligns you with like the mice and the rats, sorry, just the rats, but is like through this amazing camera work mm-hmm. that I think is kind of blew my mind watching it this time because they have to like focus on them the way camera does and have to focus on them as if they are small whereas like you know it's a computer there's no focus on the camera because camera doesn't exist they want every the computer wants everything to be in focus so they have to kind of create the mistakes to make it feel real and to make the human eye accept them as these things that they make the mistakes that a camera makes so it's like kind of keeping these little things the little characters in focus and also having like the camera work that follows the rats around, like when they're scurrying away or when they're like in the pipes and stuff or like on a table and cooking, it's like handheld camera work. 
And that is like such a phenomenal choice to go, well, you know, we're making this movie, we've got to make it to scale. So there's like a little rat cameraman with his like little shoulder rig on filming them. And it just kind of like adds that, I guess, like this feeling that this is all there, this is all really happening. And then building that out to scale where we've got these conversations happening with or where we've got over the shoulder style conversation coverage where we've got Remy talking to Linguini and it kind of looks like they're having a real conversation because they use scale in a really interesting way where they look like they're at the same level or they are actually talking to each other to like build the relationship up just through the way that we interpret film coverage to be like the way scenes are constructed shot by shot it's like fucking mastermind shit dude like brad bird really is the real deal is brad bird pixar only is he loyal to the pixar household he has done some stuff outside of pixar he of course did the iron giants and then he went into pixar from there he did the freaking incredibles he does do ratatouille he tries his hand at live action he does mission impossible ghost protocol to much success wonderful picture then he makes tomorrowland not a big hit didn't do so well too weird a lot of people saying it's like ayn rand come to life and they brings up all of his like ideas of objectivism but i don't what is objectivism it's the idea that um it's kind of innate in his work that uh you know the incredibles but like the idea that some people are more special than others and that it is often to do with genius or uh, the idea of like an ubermensch, if you will, yeah. um, and that they uh, should be treated better than others That's as well. funny. I think some politics come through in Ratatouille because you see it as like kind of this tale about upward mobility and whatnot, mm. but it's still like there's exceptional ones amongst the rats that the rest of the rats are still the rats and the rats still can't dine with the rest of the people, but... You can secretly be the best rat and then you can be human level. I think that's kind of like why I think it it steers away and like is immune to that criticism that some people have made. Because I don't think that he actually is like a Randian person. <laughs> it's like Randian director. I think that his stories, they are about genius. They are about creativity. But they... Is Randian um, based on Aziz Ansari's character, Randy? <laughs> It's all the philosophy of Randy, the character from Funny People that Aziz, I believe, played for one movie and then adapted his entire comedic persona around it afterwards. But I think it's, I, I think that this movie, because it is so, uh, like, the message of this movie is to me beautiful that anyone can cook. And that to me is a message of like, creativity can come from anywhere, from the most unexpected places. And I think that's kind of like the antithesis of like there's a certain group of people that are better than everyone else and they should be treated with more respect i think it's not about like that exceptionalism it's like about like the deeper things that connect us all Mm -hmm. which is like this i this need to create he has this oscar speech that when he wins the oscar for this movie best animated film that i think really makes me understand like what he's going for with this that i i just love this oscar speech he says i also want to thank my junior high guidance counselor uh for a meeting we had where he asked me what do you want to do with your life and i said i want to make movies and he said what else do you want to do with your life and i said make movies and he said what if you couldn't make movies? I said, I'd have to find a way that I could. What if movies didn't exist? I'd have to invent them. And it went on like this till we were sick of each other. And I only realized just recently that he gave me the perfect training for the movie business. I think that is kind of like what this movie is about is just like that need where it's your entire reason for existing. Your raison d'etre is to create and is to inspire. And I think that... That's what Remy is, baby. He's a genius, Remy. He took Gusto from three to five stars. That's crazy. <laughs> um, I got to talk about the cast of this movie because I think it's fucking phenomenal casting all around. You've got Ian Holm from Bilbo, the Lord of the Rings character. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, and from one of the other iconic food movies, Big Night, playing uh, the the chef that is now in charge of like Gusto's like <laughs> legacy at this restaurant. What do you think of him, Mitch? What do you, what do you like and dislike about this character? Uh, he's the perfect villain in a way mm-hmm. that 
you know, he's he's lucked into his position because Gusto passes away and he's just riding off Gusto's coattails and at the same time absolutely trying to sell out everything Gusto stood for while not believing in anything that he stood for, you know, like yeah. anyone can cook, bah, nobody can cook, you have to learn, you know, like he's such a yeah. perfect foil for the generous, caring giving person gusto was and this guy's all it's me 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 and you know i've lucked into mm. this and no one's gonna take it from me and he's also like the perfect head chef because he's never actually doing any work he's always just <laughs> fucking around in the office have you ever worked <laughs> under any dude like that uh no i have been lucky and i haven't had that mm. uh, have you ever been that oh maybe <laughs> a couple of times yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely, yeah. uh, I definitely have good delegation skills. Yeah. Mm. And so you said um, anyone can cook. Why are there no rats cooking in your kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, well, there, maybe there are. Of... Maybe there are. Who knows? <laughs> Whoa! You've been grassing on people in lockdown. Yeah. You've been ratting on them. <laughs> I've got to say is like one of the things I love about this film. I love is like each character has like distinct freaking physicality mm. that works so well and like i love that the ian holm character the chef the head chef is like this little tiny guy that's like so tightly wound and he like bounces around like when he's walking a massive case of small man syndrome not all <laughs> small guys are evil some of them are really nice and it's not always funny to bring a stepladder to um, a movie just to make a point about how small someone is <laughs> Some small guys are actually really intelligent. <laughs> uh, and as well, like I think Linguini is such an amazing creation. I love the like the actual physicality of Linguini being controlled by Remy, like plucking on his hairs and pulling his hairs. I think that the physicality of that character coming alive is another one of like the great secrets of this movie because like we're saying this movie is uh, able to bring about the senses of cooking the senses of taste through vision and through music but i think what this movie does more so than maybe only chef is the only other food movie that I would put on par is kind of establishing and showing technique as being so innate to the culinary experience as well because there's this magic moment we see the montage of Remy sitting on Linguini's head and pulling on those hairs for the first time and it syncing up with like the techniques of him slicing with the two hands of this rat and the two hands of Linguini coming in sync when we've seen Linguini kind of be so uncoordinated he's a baby giraffe to be like a freaking mr bean or something okay they should call him freaking it's not linguini cannellini because this guy's mr bean (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a perfect (laughs) (laughs) i I think that um that journey is really realistic too because when you first start cooking in a professional kitchen you have no idea you have to learn about your space you have to learn spatial awareness and how you move through a kitchen and saying behind and the way you have to glide in between people and remy's there and he's tripping over himself and he's falling over and he's all arms and you know linguini is and then as remy teaches him and the other people in the kitchen teach him as well you see his movements tighten up and remy has him dancing through the kitchen you know he's gliding through and it's almost like ballet and then by the end of the end of the movie Linguini's riding roller skates around the restaurant and he's all smooth movement and efficiency you know like there's no way Linguini could ride rollerblades at the start of the movie yeah he could barely fucking stand up by the end of it he's a ballet dancer he's a natural he's natural at weight staffing Mm. do you think that was his calling all along or he he grew into that because of more of that charming fun yeah people person you know what do you think linguini was doing before the movie started because we only ever really get to know him in the context of the kitchen well he's only like 15 years old or something isn't he he's only young fuck and he hooks up with janine garofalo <laughs> my god but it's it's that thing i think that's a big thing in especially in the old world of french cookery mm. is you know, you need to go and get a job and you need to start learning something. You go as a, you know, a kid basically into this adult world of kitchens 
mm. and you you learn how to be an adult almost you know and you might not want to be a cook or a chef but you fall in love with the process and through that you be, you know that's how a lot of the great ones started of you have to go and get a job and this is all you can do you start washing dishes or whatever and then you go from there do you think yeah do you think that this movie would have been better if it was like um or more honest to food than that journey if the main character was not a rap but a sponge like the dishwashing sponge that comes to life like Toy Story style it goes I'm but a sponge but I wish I was a spoon or something no 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 because Remy's got the gift innate inside of him you know he's not absorbing so much a sponge is the most absorbing thing in the world so I think he proved my no no I said he's not Remy has it inside of him oh wow so he's innate he's innate he He knows like Remy has no training but look he goes oh the strawberry and the cheese and this and that they go together they make symphony you know but what if the sponge was his best friend that's that journey the journey of the sponge would you make a sponge movie with me is all i'm saying i would love to spongebob chef's pants yeah spongebob chef pants yeah spongebob checkered pants great movie put into production as well i think like what you're hitting on is like something so cool about this movie is that it translates like the idea of the kitchen being uh, a collaborative workplace of like these blue collar artists to a children's audience so well like when we see the backstories of like the chef played by Will Arnett who's like this German expat who's like this very harsh guy who's done time he's saying there's a guy who was like in the resistance who I I love that character I don't know that character's name but he's like this big muscly kind of like blobby looking guy mm. with these huge arms and it just there's this moment of like they think is one of the most harmonious parts of this movie with this message of like artistry can come from anywhere where he's this giant blob who looks like a freaking like brick shit house who is kneading this dough and he starts out so rough and then eventually his movements become so smooth and delicate mm. that I'm just like that is the shit that's what this movie is about man is that kind of stuff and that's that's so realistic to kitchens too because a kitchen is you know for a long time it was a place for misfits that didn't fit anywhere else in society you know and like i'm sure if we talk about bourdain later that's a big part of you know you don't fit anywhere you don't you're a weirdo maybe you're an ex-con whatever it is you know traditionally kitchens are places that accept everybody and it's a really hard workplace but it can provide that thing that you know, lets everyone be themselves and everyone, you cover each other's weaknesses because you have, people do have different strengths that cover someone's weaknesses and as a whole, it all comes together. And that's having all those disparate types of personalities, but they all come together to create that magic is so well done. And I think that's something else that a lot of other chef movies don't get. Do you think the uh, kitchen has changed a lot since 2007? Yeah, it definitely has, definitely has. And that's also, but it's also playing a bit back in time, you know, to an older age. But it's not like I think in today's, today, like being a chef is a really cool thing. It's not looked down upon at all as a career, you know, or it's not necessarily something you do just because you can't do anything else. It's people for better and for worse, think being a chef is really amazing and want to be a chef. Maybe until it actually comes down to working stupid hours and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But Yeah, if it was now, it might not be able to happen because of open kitchens and whatnot, but also... Well, yeah. But Remy is pretty good at hiding. He, you know, he goes through the dining room a couple of times. There's that scene where he gets... The head waiter grabs him thinking he's the pepper shaker and, you know, he's, he's pretty crafty. Skinner's really trying to get him and, like, he's actively looking for this rat. Yeah. yeah. Before we get into our categories, guys, are there any other things that you notice in this time around with the movie that you really want to talk about, Aaron? No, I um, simply love um, Janine Garofalo's character, Colette. I feel like um, Remy could even be um, considered Hitch because of how he set up um, the romance of it. So it's not just Chef, mm-hmm. a bit of a matchmaker as well. And, 
you could apply that to lots of things, flavors, matchmaking, that type of thing. So yeah. That's another reading of the film. <laughs> Not to get it too technical or academic or anything. <laughs> Well, that's a new reading of the film is that Remy is possessed by the ghost of Cupid and Arrow is actually just the tail of a rat. <laughs> Mitch, is there anything that you noticed this time that you really want to talk about? I just really noticed this time how many different genres are almost packed into this. In that mm. underlay, like you were saying, on the on the surface level, it's this simple story of a rat in a kitchen, but it's really an action movie. That Some mm-hmm. parts are heist movies. You know, there's... It's very, very funny. There are some hilarious yep. parts like stepladders and tying a, um, a health <laughs> inspector up and throwing him in the in the cool room and, you know, all the scenes where there's just a cavalcade of rats and somebody walks in on and there's that pause of, oh, fuck, there's all these rats here and the rat's like, oh, fuck, there's a human we've been made and then the reaction yeah. after that, it's, it's really funny. <laughs> I think as well, like, that's kind of what it is. It's like there's this cavalcade of influences coming together where we've got the comedic stuff that kind of feels almost like a Jacques Tati, like, physical comedy, and you've got comedy of manners as well. But then, like you are saying, like, the high stuff of this, like, the actual hijinks of this movie, the stakes, like, they make it life or death stakes for this film, which just works so well to have, like, this harmonious blend of genres and feelings come together. Oh, my God, to make... The perfect ratatouille. <laughs> oh my god. The role of a director is much like that of a chef. Wow. wow. You've done it again, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into our categories on this podcast. We love to give away Oscars, okay? And maybe this time we're giving away James Beard Awards as well <laughs> on this podcast, okay? We're giving away Oscars. This movie won Best Animated Film, but we want to give it awards to some things that we believe deserve Oscars just as much. And we always give away one for Best Character Actor. This film is filled to the brim with character actors like freaking Ian Holm, freaking Peter O'Toole, who plays Anton Ego. But he's not a character actor. The guy is a leading man from day dot till day end, okay? He was always a lead. He doesn't count as a character actor. But the one that I would love to give an Oscar to an honor is John Ratzenberger, who plays most famously in the TV show Cheers, Cliff Clavin. But he appears in every single Pixar movie as their lucky charm. He plays Ham in the Toy Story movies. He plays the Underminer in The Incredibles. But here he plays Mustafa, the maitre d'. This is also a perfect name for a char- uh, someone in the movie because the movie is about rats and burgers. Fuck it out. Oh my god, Ratzenberger, we salute your brother and hopefully you will continue to be employed by the Pixar Animation Corporation, okay? Because... You know, we worry about you, man. Cheese was a long fucking time ago, so we worry about you. Uh, but also, I want to give an award for um, a very special character in this movie. This is a character called Gusto, And the award that I want to give out is to Mr. Bradley Garrett himself, okay? Brad Garrett, because I think this is one of the greatest imaginary characters of all time. Mitch, I know you're a big Brad Garrett Love guy. Brad Garrett. Last time I came to your house, you were you told me that you were on your seventh rewatch of Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> I don't know if it was the seventh, but I, de- I definitely hammered it out a few times over our last lockdown. Wow! And Brad Garrett, do you think he's a good Gusto? Do you believe I, him as a big? Fat I think chef? yeah. I think Gusto is a really great character, and I I think it's really well done the way that he keeps bringing up that he's a figment of Remy's imagination. So how the fuck would he know anything if Remy doesn't know it? Remy, there's that constant reminder of how absolutely batshit crazy this whole thing is. But it's done so well and it's so comedic. Mm. Like, I don't know. know, And he's, Brad's got that deep voice and that, you know, I don't mind making fun of a French accent. So I've got no problem with the, (laughs) (laughs) not being played by a real French man. But Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he's just a great character and he embodies that that sense of importance but importance isn't the right word but that mentor and that person to look up to that guiding light you know Mm. 
Yeah. Brad Garrett's one of my guiding lights. Yeah. I'm like, God, oh, no, I want that career. I've got him on my dream board, Brad Garrett. I'm going, what is life? I want to be on a sitcom. I want to be on a successful one, a failed one. I want to do voice work in Pixar movies. We love you, Bradley. Do a season of Fargo. Good on your breath. He's played both Italian and French. That's breath. Exactly. Not anyone can do it, okay? Robert De Niro and maybe Jean Reno has played Italian, but that's it. They've traded a few times, but very few have done it. That are neither as well. That are neither. They're so close, but the culture's so far apart. Exactly. But, you know, that's what the med's all about, dude. The med's about sharing your cultures. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is a little game we play on this podcast, and it's a total reboot segment where we have got the rights to Ratatouille, and we must reboot it to... For a modern audience, perhaps, for kids of a new age, how would you reboot Ratatouille, Aaron? I would make it live-action film cast um, would be... The, the head chef will be played by da- David Schumer. Wow. <laughs> we got another Schwimp fan on the podcast. <laughs> we got a couple of Schwimp fans. Uh, and is... the rat would be played by the rat from The Departed, or oh <laughs> yes. my god, yes, we've got to get him some more work. I heard that he actually sat on fucking Scorsese's head and directed the movie himself. I actually, to me, that is maybe the way to reboot this. Is because mm-hmm. if we're looking at this movie as about being cre- about creativity and creativity comes from the most unlikely of places, this is my proposed remake of the movie. Is that Okay, what about there's a, a rodent character that dreams mm-hmm. of being an actor, like the freaking rat from The Departed, but they mm-hmm. can't act because they're a little fucking rat. They can't do it. People don't accept the rat. What a rat going to be in the fucking movie kissing Jennifer Aniston or something? Swimmer style? I don't think so. <laughs> but we base this on a true story. I reckon we've got a gerbil that dreams of acting, and then we've got a very handsome man that cannot act because he's too handsome but it's based on true story i reckon we get richard gear <laughs> and the gerbil <laughs> goes inside richard gear and then gives him all the talents of like a movie star character actor and it's him piloting from the inside <laughs> Do you think that would work? Do you think people would go uh, and take their kids amazing. to see that movie? Oh, that's it's um, all about the facial expressions. Yeah. When the gerbil goes nearer to the rim, he's happy. It goes inside. He's spooked out. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, it. And it's, I don't know, maybe you just call it Ratatouille 2. Richard, the, Richard Tui. The gerbil in you. <laughs> the rat's ass. <laughs> One other thing that I noticed in this watch of the movie, we're playing a new segment here called Credit Where Credit Is Dude. When when we watch the credits, something will always stick out to us. So you just got to dive a little bit deeper. Um, there were a couple of things that stood out to me. Pixar movies always have the production babies listed as well. So whenever someone has a kid during production, they have them listed. One of the kids' name that was born during this movie is called Bosco. Bosco. Their first name was Bosco. <laughs> to me, that's a bit mean to call your kid Bosco. Like, it's not even... That's a fake name, Bosco. But they also had special thanks to Anthony Bourdain. And I wanted to research, like, what was his involvement, but couldn't really find anything because I, I just would assume that they got a lot of, like, the kitchen uh, terminology and a kitchen, like, hierarchy from Kit- Kitchen Confidential, his amazing book, which is my favorite book of all time. Um, and I think that's kind of, like, where he would have got the special thanks from is just by being, like, the fountain of knowledge that his work is. But then I looked up, and he has said publicly that he thinks Ratatouille is the greatest food movie of all time. And I found this quote of his, and this is attributed to an email that he sent, where he outright declares it to be his number one favorite. I think it's quite simply the best food movie ever made, the best restaurant movie ever made, the best chef movie. The tiny details are astonishing. The faded burns on the cook's wrists, the personal histories of the cooks, the attention paid to the food, and the Anton Ego Ratatouille epiphany hit me like a punch in the chest. Literally breathtaking. I saw it in a theater entirely full with adults, and the reaction to that moment was what movie making was once a long time ago all about. 
audible surprise, delight, awe, and even a measure of enlightenment. I am hugely and disappropriate, dis- disproportionately proud that my minuscule contribution, if any, early, early in the project's development led to a thank you in the credits. Amazing how much they got right. Mm-hmm. Very true. A few friends that I spoke to, I told a couple of chef friends that I was doing, mm. going to do this series, and they all said Ratatouille is the best food movie. Is the best chef movie there is. Yeah. I think that's why we have to kick this miniseries off with this because it's like, there's no other way. It captures everything so, just like ultimately to me, like where it just gets everything right, but also the emotion behind it as well, like the connection to food through emotion, through memory. I think Ratatouille captures the excitement better than anything else as well. The first time I ever watched this film, I had just finished reading Kitchen Confidential and I watched this straight after. And I was like, whoa, I thought I was like watching the book. You know what I mean? Like it's just one for one, you know? Yeah. It's exactly the same story, yeah. especially the heroin scenes where <laughs> the rats start sucking on we the We have the sequel, eels. Remy's really trying to kick a habit, you know? Yeah, that actually would be cool if the rats yeah. like find like heroin needles in the sewers and yeah. like in the gutters and they start doing it. it well, a good sequel could be Remy is the rat from The Departed and he's moved to New York and got wow. a job at the Copacabana. Okay. Good fellas. Yes. Got addicted to the junk, being around the gangsters, <laughs> and we get that. Dude, okay, that's it, because you know fucking Henry Hill becomes a chef, and, <laughs> and that'll be it. If the rat jumps on, like, fucking Rayleigh on his head and she goes, okay, and I want to cook, no more killing. And Remy's also coked up like crazy towards the, the back end of oh. the movie like Henry is. Man, that's a fucking go picture, dude. I want to see that. Maybe the US Army see his talent for controlling things and put him on a drone. Um, he's good at operating that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. If, this, if we could make every genre with just like a little rat involved, I would love that. Well, anyway, that brings us to the end of this episode. We've been discussing Ratatouille from director Brad Bird, making a rat movie about a rat. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. We're going to do a few more in this mini-series all about Mise en en scène of Mise en place uh, cuisine on screen. Aaron, what have you got that you want to send the horny babies and reboot rats to? Um, Maybe, are you talking about... uh... Yeah, it's all little Pluggeroonie. Pluggeroonie, you can follow me on Instagram, although I haven't been on it for over four weeks now, but just some <laughs> good archival content. <laughs> Go through the archives of Aaron's Instagram. There's probably some pics of me in there, you know. Give those a couple of likes. Do Go a on. deep scroll on the last time we hung out together <laughs> in person. Mitch, you've got one of the most hectic Instagrams. It's Instacrill and... One of the coolest things you got up there at the moment is you did a collab with the freaking Colonel. KFC, a dream, a dream come true, Alexi. That was amazing. What did true. you make with the Colonel? Uh, they gave me the challenge of using a Zinger fillet to do something with. So I turned it into a Zinger katsu curry. Delicious. Mm, yeah, that's good. Off, dude. That's that's, re- good. that's Remy level. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think a few rats probably do work at KFC, so it might actually. Be I will have to the no board. KFC slander. <laughs> 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 well guys thank you so much for joining me to quote the final lines of this movie from remy he says gotta go dinner rush which i think is beautiful for us because we're about to end this podcast and announce next week's movie is going to be a movie called dinner rush and this is a movie that stars danny aiello it is about it's a mob movie meets a restaurant movie i'd never heard of it before Mitch, you put me onto it last year. He instantly rocketed up into probably like my top 20 movies of all time. And I called Aaron the next day and go, I've got a movie that I think you'll really love. I loved it. It blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I love it. I love it as well. So next week, we're going to be talking about Dinner Rush. Here's a little tease for you. I think that if you like Uncut Gems by the Safdie Brothers, I think you're really going to like Bob Giraldi's film Dinner Rush. It's been... It's almost hard to find except the entire movie has been uploaded to youtube uh in its entirety it's absolutely one of my all-time favorite movies now any movie with danny aiello works at a fucking italian restaurant 
is a classic in my opinion. Leon the professional, he works at a pizza shop. He works at a pizza shop in Do the Right Thing. And he works at an Italian restaurant in Dinner Rush. So it's part of the, one of the great trilogies <laughs> of unconnected films in my opinion. And if you wanted to hear more from Cameron and myself, you can head on over to patreon.com slash total reboot to get access to a bunch more podcasts and bonus content from us for just five bucks a month we have been recording some very fun ones recently that have been very riffy and very silly where we have been talking about film news of the day and of the week and then also the movies that we're looking forward to coming out later on in the year so there's been some very fun and silly conversations around those And also just want to say sorry that this episode was late by a couple of days. I had some very stressful news, found out I have to move house, which has been driving me a little bit cuckoo, but it is all sorted now. And the episode about Dinner Rush will come out later this week. It is available on YouTube for free in its entirety. I'll put the sneaky little link in the show notes if you want to click on through to it and watch it, which I highly suggest you do because I think it is a fantastic movie that I would like to get more people to see. That is one of the things I love doing with Total Reboot is picking big famous movies that everybody loves like Ratatouille in this episode, but then also shining a light on some lesser known cult classics or movies that deserve that cult classic status. And I've been dying for more people to see Dinner Rush. So check it out in time for the next episode. In the meantime, I want you to stay safe. I want you to stay sexy and I want you to stay in love with movies, cinema, and of course, with films.